Hey again, uh, good morning. Uh, it's a privilege, uh, as always, to be with you again and have the opportunity uh, to teach God's word to you. Uh, if you're joining us for the first time, I want to say welcome to you. Thanks for joining us for, for Church at Home or Church Online, whatever you want to call it these days. Um, I always say this, there's a few people here. This is usually a time that we, uh, we have to greet one another. And so for the people who are here in person, uh, we can do that from a social distance. Maybe how about a high five or a wave? Um, if you're joining online, maybe it's a thumbs up or like one of those. They added the new one. Did you see this? Where it's like the, the little like face thing that's like cuddling or whatever like that with the heart. Like, I don't know if that's you. You can put that one on there or whatever. Some of you are angry I said that. Put the angry face. I don't know. Uh, but throw up an emoji or say hello uh, however you want to introduce yourself, maybe where you're from, uh, you can go ahead and do that now. Uh, well, today is, is week four, uh, and actually the final week of a teaching series that we've centered around the church, um, the Ecclesia. And through this series, my hope and, and aim uh, has been to help us as, as a gathering to understand who we are as the bride of Christ. And who are we? Well, here's what we said, that we are the church, that we just don't go to church. We are the church. We are people who are empowered by the Holy Spirit. We are people who are centered on the gospel, and we are people who are sent on mission. But more than that, we've actually taken the time through this series to discuss what we do as the church, how we are called to live, and, and how we are to approach being the church in our world. And so we've discussed the idea of living uh, devoted lives, to being faithful to, to God's word, to, to loving people, to, to being authentic in our worship, and to being devoted to the mission of making disciples to the very ends of the earth. And then, and then last week, we talked about the importance of being faithful to not just, again, knowing the word, to, not just to knowing the teachings of Jesus and the apostles, but also to to sharing that message with others with an expectation that those people were teaching that they will turn around and do the same. Bottom line, what we said really to sum up this series or the last three weeks is that the church, the ecclesia, it is a called out, set apart people who live their lives as sent ones. This is the church, the ecclesia, a called out, set apart people who live their lives as sent ones. Well, then today we're going to finish up this series talking about belonging to a church, belonging to a church. Essentially, today we're talking about church membership. Uh, I've, I've heard it said uh, that we today, this generation, that we are perhaps uh, the most non-committal people, group of people, generation in human history. Uh, I'm not sure uh, how would you how you would even go about proving that, or how you could know that's true. But people say that. Uh, but what I do know is that as individuals, particularly those of us who come from a more Western context, and I think Seoul is becoming even more Western in its context. But in general, we don't really like commitment, do we? Uh, and, I, and I think you can see that in a number of ways. Uh, for example, did you know that uh, as of last year, the national, at least in America, the national average for staying at one job is now just four and a half years? Right? Not very long. Uh, people are changing their careers uh, more than ever 
before? Or how about the reality uh, that the average age of getting married uh, continues to go up and has gone up every single year since they've been recording that, that number? Or on top of that, that's not even talking about the fact that we know that half of marriages fail or just, or just end. See, in general, we are a gener- generation of people who celebrate individualism. We are self-made, self-reliant, self-sufficient people. And as I was saying uh, last week, our culture has a way, doesn't it, of, of creeping its way into the life of the church. And perhaps that's why so many Christians approach the church like, like dating or like everything else in their life as individuals. And I think we generally know and accept this idea, right? That, that in general, it's become sort of okay, like culturally acceptable to, to hop around churches or to attend a particular gathering for a season based on how we're feeling or, or, or what we think that we need in that season of life. And so in other words, it's, it's sort of just become culturally okay within the church to sort of come and go, to be present when we believe it's convenient for us, but to, to mutually commit, submit, and be accountable to one local body of believers, right? Not so much, right? And I, I think there's, some, there's actually some reasonable reasons for this. You know, maybe uh, at one point in your life, you, you were hurt by the church. Uh, or, or maybe just in general, you are skeptical of the church. And so that keeps you, you guarded for, for a number of reasons, uh, or, or maybe you're in the, the camp, you're just more nonchalant about church life. Uh, like, you, you might think, what's, what's the point, what's the purpose of, of even belonging to, to a church, to being a member of, of a church? You think, uh, well, I'm a follower of Jesus. Uh, I love Jesus. I'm part of the, the universal, the worldwide global church, and that's just enough for me. I love Jesus, but I'm not really a huge fan of, of his church. Or how many, uh, how many of you have, have heard, heard this or, or, or been in this place in your life? Uh, well, uh, I'm, I'm still kind of deciding which church I'm going to attend, right? I, I kind of like the worship over there, I really like the, the worship, or the, the preaching, excuse me, the preaching over here, um, but, but I really like the, the kids' ministry at that new church that's popped up uh, down the road over there. And, and right, this, this just sort of feeds into our individualism. Or maybe you're in the category of people uh, who, who you've just really never been, been taught about committing or to belonging to a local body of believers and if that's you, I don't really, really blame you. Right? Certainly churches and their leaders have contributed this to this as well. I know I'm guilty of that earlier in my own ministry. But I think taking all of these factors together, what we, what we see now in church culture is sort of a low view, therefore, or, or even a disregard for church membership at least in a formal sense. Uh, what I mean is, I think the church has actually given in, in some regards, and we've given in to people's reservations about church and their individualism. 
We've, we've turned away from things like membership and turned to making it as easy as possible for people to be a follower of Jesus and to belonging to a gathering. In other words, we've made the commitment really low when it comes to belonging to a church. We've set the bar really low for people. We don't really ask too much in the church anymore. And so with that reality, uh, my goal today, my hope today, is to show you that this type of thinking is actually out of step with God's word. That in reality, committing yourself to a local body of believers, committing yourself to a church, is actually critical to your life as a follower of Jesus. Uh, That actually... It's God's design that you would belong to a local body of believers, that you would join a family of devoted disciples. And so I guess you could say uh, today that I want to show you through Scripture that followers of Jesus are not so much church avoiders, they're not merely church attenders, but biblically followers of Jesus are church members. Uh, Now again, We've talked uh, in this series about the reality that we belong to the ecclesia, uh, the universal, the global body of Christ. That if you have trusted in Jesus as both Lord and Savior, you belong to the big, we'll call it the capital C, uh, the global church. But today I want to show you three reasons why followers of Jesus should belong to a local church a local gathering of believers. And I'll say this just as a side note for us this morning. Uh, to, to sort of prove this thesis or to prove this biblically, I'm going to have to skip around a little bit uh, through the scriptures today. Uh, as most of you know, uh, I don't prefer that. Uh, here at Freedom Village, we typically like to stay in one text or one section of scripture and work our way sort of systematically through it. Uh, But today's topic requires us to jump around a little bit. So I just want to say that before we get started. But here we go. Why should a follower of Jesus belong to a local gathering of believers? Here we go. Number one, well, because the Bible expects every follower of Christ to identify with and belong to a local church, right? Because the Bible says so. That's what number one could be. Uh, Now, again, we know that the the primary word for church in the New Testament is that word, ecclesia, right? And and there are times in Scripture where we see the ecclesia referring to all Christians. Not just in the world, actually, but in the history of our world. Ecclesia, in other words, is, is sometimes used to describe the global church. However... Most of the time when we see that word church or that word ecclesia appear in the New Testament, it's actually referring to a specific group of Christians in a particular location. In fact, uh, of the 114 times that we see that word ecclesia in the New Testament, at least 90 of those cases refer to a specific local group of believers. And so let me show you a couple examples that we have of that. Uh, turn with me, if you, if you have a Bible, to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And let's look at how it begins. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 
Look who this letter is written to. Written by Paul. Here's what Paul says. Verse 1. Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, and our brother, Sosthenes, 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 sounds good, Sosthenes, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those in every place, call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Okay, and so did you hear that there? Paul says, to the church of God that is in Corinth, right? And so that's a, that's a reference we have there to a specific group of believers in a city, this local church, the church at or in Corinth. And then note, just a little bit down in that verse, that they are, that they are called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, And so there we see a reference to the global church, right? And so the point is here is just in in one verse, we see both distinctions here. We have the local church in Corinth, and we have the global church just here in verse 2, or reference to it. Or you could look with me right before this in your Bible, at the end of the book of Romans, if you just turn Turn backwards there with me. We read this in Romans chapter 16, verse 3 through 5. Look at this. It says this. Greet Prissa and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Greet also the church in their house. The Apostle Paul writes those words as well. And so look at what we have here, right? We have a reference at the end to a church, not in a city, but in a house. The church in Priscilla and Aquila's house. And even right before that, you see Paul refer to what he calls the churches of the Gentiles. And so apparently there were some, some Gentile churches that had formed as well. Or I'll give one final example from the book of Revelation. We don't have the scripture, but you can check out Revelation 2 and 3, where Jesus writes seven letters to seven different churches. And we know that those letters are addressed specifically to Christians who are members or parts of of local churches, local groups of believers in, in cities like Ephesus or Philadelphia or Laodicea. Now, I know this is just a, you know, a small sample size for us. But again, I think the point remains, the point is true, that the picture that we have in the scriptures, in the Bible, particularly, of course, the New Testament, is that over and over again, we see this picture of, 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 of local groups of believers in particular places, in particular cities, houses called churches. Uh, Notice that they're not called, this is important, they're not called parts of churches, right? Paul doesn't say uh, to the part of the church that's in Corinth. He doesn't say uh, to the part of the church that meets in Priscilla and Aquila's house. Uh, He doesn't say to the part of the church that's scattered throughout Asia. No, each of these gathered local groups 
are called a church. Individual followers of Jesus belong to local churches or local bodies of Christ. That's the norm that we see all throughout the New Testament. And so as we read through these verses, but also all throughout the New Testament, I think a a reasonable question that could be asked is, what group of believers in a particular place do I belong to? Or am I a part of? What group of believers in a particular place do I belong to? In other words, if the Apostle Paul were looking to write to you, he wanted to write you, specifically a letter to you, which local body of believers would you be identified with? Because the scriptures expect and also assume that followers of Jesus identify with and belong to a local church. Well, that brings us to to our second point today. Uh, Why should followers of Jesus belong to a local gathering of believers? Uh, Number two, because the Bible expects followers of Christ to be served by and be submissive to local church leaders. The Bible expects followers of Christ to be served by and submissive to local church leaders. If you turn over to the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, I think we see an interesting verse here that I think helps us to understand the importance of commitment to a a single local church. So let's look at it together. It's actually verse 17. Listen to this command that God gives to his followers, to his disciples. He says this, Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those, as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Now, understand that throughout the New Testament, we see uh, pastors and, and elders and, and this word overseer um, referred to as leaders in the church. And as a, as a pastor, a local church pastor myself, um, you might imagine that this verse here, it's actually a pretty challenging verse to preach. Uh, telling people, calling people to, to obey your leaders and to submit to their authority, right? That sounds, if I was to preach a whole message on that, that would sound pretty self-serving, right? Um, it, and I, and I think, right, if, if a pastor wanted to or a church le- leader wanted to, they could use a verse like that and really lord it over people. That's why we have to read the scriptures in context. Because again, listen closely to the second part of that verse. What follows this is the why. Why do we obey to our church leaders? Why do we submit to their authority? Why do we do that? Because it says, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. And so don't miss that, right? I sure didn't miss it when I read that text for the first time. Um, It's saying that church leaders, pastors, elders, that actually one day they will stand before God and give an account for the people that they're leading. And at least for me uh, personally, again, being, being a pastor, I think that leads to a very practical question. It's a, it's a question that I ask myself. 
who God, who then God, will I give an account for? Then who are these people? Because certainly I'm not going to give an account to God for every believer in the global church spread out across the world, right? I mean, I hope I don't have to do that. That wouldn't go very well for me, right? No, I, I will give an account before God along with the other leaders at Freedom Village Church for everyone who is identified as a member of this body. And so, again, I think this just makes sense. But if this is the case, it's really important for church leaders to know who the members are of their local gathering. But also it's really important for the members as well to know this, for for every follower of Jesus to know this. Because again, uh, if you go back to the first part of Hebrews 13, 17, God commands his people to obey and to submit to the church leadership. And, and so think about that reality. Right? Does that mean as a church member that you are, uh, you are to obey and follow every leader that exists in the global body of, of Christ? Or are you supposed to follow the instruction of the pastors and leaders of the local church that you belong to? And I think that's a pretty obvious answer. Of course, it's a local issue. And so in order to, to carry out this command, if, if you're, you're, you're a member of a church and you want to carry out this command, then you need to identify with a church made up of leaders that you respect and trust to teach you God's word and who you trust and respect will, will move you closer to the person of Jesus Christ. And let me just say this quickly as well. You know, this verse, it's not saying, what it's not saying is that church members should just blindly obey whatever the pastor or whatever the church leadership says according to their own opinions. Right? It's not even that you are held responsible before God to do whatever your pastor says. That's not what Hebrews here is saying. The point here is, as your leaders are, are, are teaching God's word, as they are sharing about God's will for your life and his ways for you, you should be submitting to that teaching. For when you do, you're not really submitting to man, but you're submitting to God. So I hope that that makes sense. Acts chapter 20, uh, verse 28 says that elders and pastors are responsible for caring for the flock that's been entrusted to them. 1 Peter 5 says that elders and pastors are are shepherds of God's flock that are under their care. Those are great and challenging verses for church leaders. But that implies as well that the leaders know who their flock are so that they can in turn properly give care. God and his word expect you as a follower of Jesus, to identify yourself as a part of a local body of believers so that you can receive instruction to follow and so that you can receive proper care. And then finally, uh, why should followers of Jesus belong to a local gathering of believers? Why should they do that? Well, number three, because the Bible expects followers of Christ to yearn for and to yield to local church accountability. 
The Bible expects followers of Christ to yearn for and yield to local church accountability. In the Gospel of Matthew, uh, chapter 18, we see a really good example of this expectation for, for biblical accountability. Jesus is teaching his disciples, and he says this in verses 15 through 17. This is what he says. He says, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. Verse 16, but if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. In other words, Jesus was teaching here is this, that if a a fellow believer is unrepentant and will not turn from their sin after private correction uh, is given in the efforts of one or, or two or even three people, Jesus says, tell it to the church. Bring it to the church body. And so what does that mean? Right? Does that mean that we, we tell people's sins, those two or three people, they tell this person's sin to the entire global body of Christ? Right? Are they supposed to, to post that on uh, Facebook and Instagram to the global church page that's out there? Right? Is that what they're supposed to do? No. Right? Of course not. That means tell it to the members. Tell it to the other parts of that person's local church, and then act according to their response there. And we see an instance of this, actually a little bit later in the New Testament, back uh, in in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, an instance comes up. If you read through uh, the Apostle Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, you'll find a church there uh, that actually has a lot of baggage, a whole lot of issues. They get a lot of things backwards. But apparently, uh, one particular was, uh, instance was going on. Paul makes note of it. There was a man in that gathering who was actually uh, sleeping with his father's wife. The language there, um, he was sleeping with his stepmother. Um, and apparently, he wouldn't stop. He wouldn't repent from his actions. And so, what does Paul say? It's chapter 5, verse 2. He says, Let him who has done this be removed from among you. And at the end of chapter of the chapter, Paul adds to that. He says in verse 12 through 13, he says, "For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Purge, get rid of, it means purge the evil person from among you." And so in both of these passages, Jesus' teaching and and Paul's teaching in 1 Corinthians 5, what we see is that that biblically, there comes a point where if a Christ follower continues in willful, unrepentant sin, then they need to be removed from the gathering if they're confronted and will not repent of their sin. They're no longer welcome to be a part of that gathering. But understand, for that to happen... For these types of things to be implemented, to to follow God's direction, 
when it comes to accountability and in church discipline, there needs to be clear identification of those who are inside the gathering and with those who are outside of the gathering. That's why Paul makes that distinction here. We judge those inside the local church. God judges those who are outside. There are are people who are committed to a local gathering, and there are those who are not. And and perhaps you think, especially what I I wrote there with point three, perhaps you think that that phrase or, or language is strange, right? That we yearn for and yield to accountability. It means that we're, we're eager, actually. We're eager. We long to receive correction in our lives. Right? But, but as followers of Jesus, shouldn't we look forward to others challenging us to be on the right path? You know, I mean, I, I think about my, my own life. If the, if the goal for me, the goal of my life is to be more like Christ... But I am either knowingly or unknowingly going in the wrong direction. I want and I look forward to brothers and sisters in my life who will warn me and love me enough to want me to go in the right way. You know, if my true purpose in life is to to give God glory with my life, then I want others around me to affirm that I am heading in that direction, heading down that right path, or to tell me when I'm, when I'm not. And the good news about membership, the good news about belonging to a local gathering of believers is that I get that. I invite, actually, and, and receive Biblical accountability in my life when I become a part of a local church. Right? And we know, of course, that accountability is not just about church discipline. Right? So the case isn't, well, just you want to be a church member so that you can be disciplined. That's not all. Right? That's part of it. Part of it is correction. We also know that members of the body are are accountable for making sure that the gospel and the gospel alone is being preached amongst that local gathering. They are also accountable uh, for commissioning people to begin new uh, ministries like church planting in our city or church planting overseas or sending overseas missionaries. Church members also have some role and accountability in the process of selecting who their leaders are. And so realize... Right? When, when we're asked the question, where do you attend church? Right? That's a common question. Oh, where do you go to church? Right? What gathering are you a part of? Biblically, what's being asked of you is actually what local body of believers are you accountable to and accountable for? Biblical church membership is a meaningful commitment. It's a covenant, actually to following Christ together in a local gathering. By the design of God, a church is made up of members who are committed to one another like this. And so let's be really clear today. Church is not just a service that you attend where you occasionally interact with some people that you don't really know 
and then turn around and, and, and try to fi- follow Jesus on your own. Right? This is not what God has designed the church to be. It's not what, what God has designed for you to, to experience either. And this is what we've talked about really all throughout this series. That the church was designed to go towards the word together. To worship together. To share the gospel together. To pray together. To give together. To make disciples together. And not only that, as members of the same body, we we hurt together. We rejoice together. We mourn together. And we just simply share life together. That's what it means to, to belong to the church and to commit and to commit yourself to a local church. God has actually designed the church to be a family, and He wants you and I to experience that. Now I think uh, this is a bit of a bold statement, uh, but, I, but I fully believe that it's true, that you will never experience the fullness of everything that God has for you, everything he has for your life, his blessings, his grace, his joy, and his love, if you are disconnected from the body of Christ. Right? That's the, the whole point of the imagery of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I encourage you this week to read that passage uh, to, to study it deeply, to meditate on its words, particularly verses 12 through 27. But what it says there in that section of Scripture is essentially this, that the body does not consist of just one member, but many. That on your own, without other members of the body of Christ, uh, you are just like a, a hand without a foot, or like an eye without an ear. And Paul shares that to say that each member, each believer, each follower of, of Jesus has a vital role to play in the body of Christ. That through your belonging, through your commitment to a local gathering, we are actually all better for it. That we actually suffer or benefit as a whole based on your commitment or your lack of belonging. I love what one writer said about this. Um, His name is Eric Lane. Listen to these words. I think it's really strong. He says this. The church is not just a loose collection of individuals. It is a closely knit structure like a human body and is therefore to be rightly organized. But for such ordering, it needs to know exactly who belongs to it. A family which sat down to its meal table or locked its doors at night, not knowing who was supposed to be there and who not, would be an extremely strange phenomenon. An army battalion which did not know whom to expect on parade which would soon be in chaos. If the church is to be a true family and an effective fighting force, it needs to know who exactly belongs to it. This is the whole 
purpose of having membership in a local church. And so church, church family, my prayer is that each of us would see this truth clearly today. That as a follower of Jesus, your purpose in this world is so much larger, so much greater than your own individual life and your own individual journey. You were made. You were actually designed for community. You were created to belong to a spiritual family with God as your father. And so you're right Biblical response as a follower of Jesus is to be united together with a local gathering of believers in Christ to share and to show his love to the world. And so the simple question we all have to leave ourselves with today is this simple question. Are you a member or do you belong to a local gathering of believers? Really simple question, really practical as well. Are you a member or do you belong to a local gathering of believers? God has called you to belong and he has designed you to belong for your benefit, the benefit of others in the body, for the benefit of the world, and certainly for his glory. Would you pray with me?